Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Hello, thanks for joining me today for your online coffee break. It's my great pleasure to introduce today's special guest, comedian Jeff Allen. Now, this was one of the more interesting interviews I've had in a while in that I very seldom get to meet my guests face-to-face. Well, it just so happened that Jeff was coming to Indianapolis uh, to perform at a local venue, and uh, we arranged a meeting. And uh, he gave me an address, and I drove to it, and I was very surprised when I pulled up to the entrance of a hospital. I walked in the lobby, looked around, and said, I'm not sure if I'm being played a joke on right now, but I'm expecting to meet comedian Jeff Allen here. Surprisingly, it was the right place, and we ended up having this really great fireside chat where Jeff told me about his incredible career. Now, if you're not familiar with him, he has headlined numerous tours, performed at prestigious venues around the world. His extensive television appearances include Showtime, Comedy Central, VH1. His videos have over 100 million views. Now, as I said, I was fortunate to catch up on Jeff with his current tour, The America I grew up in. Online Coffee Break. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me. Really do appreciate it. Oh, can't do it without you guys. So. Well, we appreciate that. Now, you are on your The America I Grew Up In tour. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit, what, what spurred the ideas for that? Well, that started really with the, um, I took my, I wanted to take my grandson to the playground mm-hmm. and uh, my daughter-in-law wouldn't let him in my car because I forgot the car seat. And he's four years old. He's about 60 pounds. I think he's on creatine. I really do. I, I, this kid's huge. And I thought, I can't strap him in the belt, you know? And, uh, she said, no. And then, you know, I'm literally tired of strapping my kid and the grandson in, like a NASCAR driver, just to go three miles to the mini mart. And, uh, I started looking in the Google to find out what age you could take him out. You know, I was thinking eight, nine, 18. Here's your high school diploma. Right. You get to ride home like a big boy. Somewhere in between. <laughs> It's a height. It's not an age. It's a height. And it's four foot nine, which is even more ridiculous because I'm thinking the entire female U.S. Olympic gymnastic team has to ride in a booster seat to go pick up their gold medals at the gym. And that kind of was, I said, what is going on? And I, you know, the more I started paying attention, uh, you know, the, the, the term helicopter parent and my kids actually are like that. And I thought you weren't raised this way. And then Tammy and I were laying in bed, and I said, you know, everything we did as a parent, we'd, get, we'd lose custody. We actually let them play in the street by themselves, unsupervised. No way. We assumed they were intelligent enough when they saw a big metal object coming at 40 miles an hour, they would get out of the way. We just assumed that. And then we thought, well, if they don't, we'll just make another one. <laughs> Survival of the fittest, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's it. Time to thin the herd. And it's a joke, by the way. I don't want an email. Exactly. You know? It's amazing how literal people take this stuff. It is. Now, you got into comedy. Uh, what, 78? 1978. What, yeah. what drew you into it? Because we always have the stereotypical, oh, class clowns and this kind of thing. What what, what made you decide this is the field? Well, I my brother was a musician, so probably two or three years earlier, I was at a club, a bar that he was playing at. I was 15 or something. I saw a comedy team open for him at the club, and they were getting big laughs and stuff. And I thought, wow. And then I thought, where do you do that at? How do you, you know? So anyway... Six years later, I was at a, I was working for a jewelry company and uh, somebody said, there's this comedy club. Let's go after we're done setting up the jewelry show. Let's go. And I went, comedy club. What's that? Anyway, I, that was it. I saw 10 or 15 comics that night and I thought, I got to do this. And it took me 
really three months to work up the courage. I was there every night, six nights a week. Um, they were closed one night, sitting at the bar, watching comics. And they all knew I wanted to do it. I just didn't have the... So the first night I went up was Thanksgiving night. I had gotten drunk. I was a big drinker then. And uh, I figured, well, this is it. Signed up for open mic. And uh, that was Thursday. Humiliated myself. Absolutely humiliated. I drew a blank, couldn't talk. I had nothing prepared. I didn't even know comics prepared material. I just thought you went up and talked about your day. Because everything sounded so, you know, off the... Informal, off the cuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, so anyway, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, humiliation. And uh, (laughs) went back on Sunday, signed up, and the MC came over and goes, you're going to have to make some sense tonight. We're still trying to figure out what you said Thursday night. (laughs) Cause they, and it's funny because they were all waiting for me. This was the moment. They all came out from the back to watch. You have three months to work the courage up. Oh, my gosh. And it was awful, humiliating. But, but you persevered. You kept I going. did. This is what my wife said to me. What made you go back? Because yeah. she's not the type person. Right. She would have never stepped foot in a place ever again. And I said, you know, didn't know if I was a sadist or a masochist, but somebody in that room was getting punished and enjoying it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I could do it if I just got over the stage fright. I knew it would, I knew it. I don't know. And I really believed that the, uh, there was a divine hand in this. Absolutely. Because there were two or three different times in my career I tried to quit. I really did. I, um, I tried to join the Air Force. And, really? Uh, the day before I was to take the physical to go in. I had taken the test. I had taken everything. And all I needed was a passive physical, which I probably wouldn't have passed because my body was loaded with drugs and alcohol. But, uh, I, you know, the night before somebody calls me out of town and uh, I just took off, left the uh, Air Force sitting there. And, uh, that was one. And then there was a time in LA I tried to quit. And it was a time in my thirties when I was married, I tried to get out of it and, um, things would happen. Mm -hmm. So I kind of figure this is what he put me on this earth to do. It just took me, uh, a good, 38 years to acknowledge his existence. <laughs> you know? Sometimes it does take a while. Yeah, that's came what around, I always say. Awesome. You know, whether you deny God or not, it's, he's there. I mean, it's just... Exactly. It's, yeah, so, um, you know, there's a divine hand in, in all of this. Absolutely, Jeff. I think that's incredible. And what I think is amazing, too, is obviously you've changed so much since 78, since you first got into comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, how well, I hope everybody changes between 22 and 60. You would think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. Um, how has comedy changed? Uh, it's, it's the language, and it's not the, the the cussing, and it's not certainly you can blaspheme all the sacred cows, you know. It's right. um, the cultural sacred cows that you have to avoid. You've seen so many amazing places. I think you went to uh, perform on a ship in the Persian Gulf. Oh, in the Indian Ocean, yeah. Landed what? on an aircraft carrier. Really? What was that like? Can you tell us? Wow, about that? that well, it was it's one thing we were in a C C two thirty C one thirty transport plane, so there were no windows. Yeah, so no windows. So we couldn't see where we were going, which is probably a good thing. Because I asked the pilot one day, I said, we were on the ship, the pilots were the coolest. I guess when you're, uh, you know, you can die any day, yes. you know, you, know, you, you kind of go with life you sure. know, full bore. So they were a blast. So I, I just said, by the way, what's it like landing on an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean and at and, and night? And he drops a pencil on the floor and he goes, that's what it looks like, <laughs> you know, wow. at a hundred and... 200 and some miles an hour or so when they land. I don't know. But, uh. So you couldn't see it, but you could right. feel it. Right. And it was, uh, the shows were awful. They, uh, we were on a warship. Somebody, we were not supposed to be there. Right. Somebody messed up big time. Who put two civilians on a warship. They were running night ops to Afghanistan. We had just invaded Afghanistan. Uh, and, um, we were sitting on the flight deck watching the planes take off and land. My son and I, my son came with me. 
And uh, a year after that, two years after, well, a year and a half after that, he was he, he signed up for the military. Yeah, that's and, great. Uh, I heard about it. Yeah, even the Navy, when we were we were on the ship, was telling him to join the Air Force. <laughs> yeah, they got all the cool toys. That's oh what they God. kept telling him. Nah, you don't want the I Navy. had the cool toys, the yeah, best the cool food. Yeah, they got the best food. Yeah, we, 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 were, we did a secret base in Bahrain and uh, yeah. for the Air Force. And uh, boy, what a difference. Air conditioning, uh, chefs, chefs, not just some slop cook in the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got all the money. So. Any other unusual uh, venues that you've been in? Well, I went down to Mexico um, for a thing called Dangerous Ideas. I have no idea why people pick, you know, I'm not a, mm-hmm. I'm not a social commentator. I'm not a, you know, um, I'm not a, you know, my, certainly my show, you wouldn't watch it and think, wow, what a deep thinker, you know. <laughs> But anyway, it's called Dangerous Ideas, and somebody saw me, whatever, and they hired me, and I went down deep into the, we flew into Mexico City and drove another three hours to somewhere, I don't know, and it was all these different um, uh, academics and me, you know, and uh, so that was interesting. And it was interesting, they had translators, everybody in the audience had an earpiece, so they were translating my comedy, and it was just, I had to readjust my timing. But it was funny. I was getting laughs. It was like, you know, I, I don't know how this will play. I mean, it's a different culture and everything. But, you know, yeah. you realize that when you talk about marriage, kids, whatever, uh, you know, God kind of made us all the same. You know, let's talk about that because marriage and kids, obviously, most everyone can relate about that. And that's where you get your material from it. What advice would you give out to those who have been married or getting married soon or have been married for just a little bit for the newlyweds? Uh, one, it's a, it's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Uh, utopia. It's, it's not a reality. You know, I, I, I liken to what I read in Scott Peck's book, Road Less Traveled. When my marriage was having trouble, mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of books. And he talked about um, true love does not exist absent of conflict. You cannot have a loving relationship without conflict. It just doesn't exist. So... That euphoric feeling that we all feel when we meet somebody that this could be the one is an illusion put there by God to keep the species going. I mean, it's, that's the attraction, but it's not the reality. And, um, you know, he, his example, if I remember it right, was something benign like, uh, you're on the couch, you've been dating for a while, you're all in this euphoric thing. And then one night she says, I want Mexican food. You go, well, I really want Chinese food. Now here's some conflict. Now here's a chance for this relationship to move into love true love and um i resonated with that because i hated conflict so every girl i ever dated prior to meeting tammy when conflict entered and it always did i fled that was it this relationship is over they may not have known it but i did you know so how you conflict will determine the length and happiness of your marriage you know and um it really is uh Talk them through. I got to, you know, I, the stuff that annoyed me about Tammy early on or stuff that I really realized is what really helped. And it was, uh, she told me if my feet stunk. She told me if my breath stunk. She told me, you know, don't touch me that way. She told me, you know, get off my hair, get off, you know, shave. My God, I'm sick of your, your stubby whisker, all that <laughs> stuff. Which I thought was like, you know, man, man how rude. How, you know, I, I don't talk. I mean, and again, I had to be very careful. With her, because her body image is like a lot of women. It's, it's, it's on a thread. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, um, I realized that I'd rather have that than the resentment building. And, and, you know, um, and that, that people think 
certainly young couples, you know, there's something wrong with, you know, he's not perfect, she's not perfect, you know, but it's, like I said, it's a marathon, you know. Now, parenting, you have uh, you kids, you mentioned your son. Yes, two grown boys. Uh, well, I, I tell you, we, we have four boys, and uh, uh. we just got through, except for one, the teenage years. Oh, bless you. Yeah. <sighs> what was your difficulty with the teenage years? Well, mine was because I traveled so much, was um, if they disrespected their mom. Mm. That was because I wasn't going to be one of those fathers that barreled through the door and disciplined my son. Something happened three days ago. So Tammy had to be the disciplinarian. And they ran roughshod over her. And um, I remember my father was a... He was not violent towards us. He was verbally not kind, but certainly physically. But one time I got thrown against the wall was when I didn't know he was home and I was disrespecting my mother. I mean, I was screaming at her. I'm not doing, you can't tell me, you know. And I heard from the back of the room, you know, I said, like, I'm not going to bed. You can't make me. And he goes, the hell I can't. And I did not know he was home. <laughs> and I'm telling you, but what? And he came in, he threw me against the wall and he said, that's your mother. That's my wife. You know. That she never did that again. No, I never did. Well, yeah. I checked to make sure his car wasn't in the driveway. <laughs> and <laughs> after a ten second delay of looking around, I figured out oh, it's over. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do anything. But that was that was me. I just said you will not disrespect my wife. Mm-hmm. You know. And um all both boys passive aggressive. I'm passive aggressive. You know, and it was one of those things you pray to God, you go, Why did they have to get that? Right. Of all the terrible things that I have, you know, and there were some are better than others, you know, and uh, all I ever asked was just respect. That's all. Treat them because I said that the way you treat your mother is the way you treat your wife and girlfriends. So you might as well learn it here. That is so true. This is how you treat a woman, and um, you speak with kindness. And if you can, if you have, we don't, we don't ever minded, you know, arguing or disagreeing. Mm-hmm. We didn't want any doormats. What makes you laugh? Uh truth and absurdity. Awesome. Truth and absurdity. Yeah. You know, uh, I just love human beings. <laughs> I could sit, literally, when we would go to amusement parks, I couldn't ride because I'd get motion sickness. And if I took Dramamine, then i looked look like I was on Thorazine. <laughs> people walking by, those poor children, look at their drunk father. <laughs> so anyway, I would sit and watch people. And I would try to figure out what they do for livings and stuff like that. And then the folly of, of uh, just, you know, the, especially the teenage kids with their parents at the you know, they, how far they wanted to walk away from them and not be associated with them. And, you know, um, and, and the dads with the shorts and the black socks and the sandals. And you're thinking, <laughs> oh, my God, if I had that father, someone should walk over. Dad, you know, <laughs> nobody wants you to wear, you know, skinny jeans and, you know, try to be one of them. But for God's sakes, man, take the black socks. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, your, your tour's been going on for, for quite some time. Well, we really started in earnest maybe April or uh, uh, June, uh, June, probably, this Great. summer. Yeah. How's it? How's it been going? It's exploding. It nice. really is. Um, it's re- people are resonating to the, um, um, and it's not what I you know people because I get stuff on my Facebook. You know uh, this this guy is you know uh, he hates the safety measures and he hates you know he's like that. Nah, I tell him you know I'm not against car seats. I don't care. You want them? I'm tired of mandatory. That's all. I want them to stay out of our lives. You know you don't want to ride a bike with a helmet. Don't. But don't come to me to fix your head. You know that's your choice. And um, but we certainly survived as a species without all the, um, you know, the mandatory safety measures. So um, 
people, it's resonating with people, you know. And, uh, yeah, when I talk about the playgrounds, you know, just one particular one, this is another one that kind of started it. As I took my grandkids to the playground, I looked around and I go, there's no monkey bars. So I asked some woman, where's the monkey bars? She said, well, kids were falling off and hurting themselves. And I went, and? I mean, that can't be the only reason. Well, it was, you know. I went, so what? I mean, nobody wants to see a kid get hurt, but for God's sake, that's how you learn pain. You know, C.S. Lewis said suffering was God's megaphone. You know, that's exactly. pain is God's way of going, hey, stop doing that. <laughs> you know? um, we're really kind of just getting it out, you know, uh, but, uh, but we know we're on to something. And as long as I can keep adding material to it. On that note, Jeff, I just want to congratulate you on your success so far. I want to wish you the best of luck with this amazing tour. And I really want to thank you for just taking time today to join us. Thank you so much, Jeff. I do too, man. Thank you so much. Online Coffee Break. Well, I had such a great time talking with Jeff today. Really enjoyed our conversation. Hope you did too. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about Jeff's tour dates coming to a city near you, just ch- go to his website at jeffallencomedy.com. I want to thank Jeff for joining us today. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us as well. You can really help us if you would rate us on your favorite podcast application or if you're watching on YouTube, like, comment, share with your friends. That would be incredible. We'd really appreciate it. It really mean a lot to us. Again, we want to thank you for uh, just tuning in today. Uh, We look forward to seeing you next time. Have a great day. God bless.